Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. I don't know about you guys, but I loved seeing the snow this morning. Who loves seeing the snow? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it's perfect timing. You know, Thanksgiving's over, and now it's snowing. The Christmas music's on the radio. We got the Christmas trees up. Let's bring on Christmas. It's just, I, I just love snow, and uh, I love seeing God's beauty, and that's really what it makes me think of when I see uh, the beautiful snowflakes on the trees. It's uh, wonderful. And I like snowboarding, and I'm ready to do that as well. (laughs) Well, I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving and had a great time with family. Hopefully everyone's food comas have worn off by now. I know it always takes me a few days to recover from the mountains of gravy and turkey and stuffing. But the good news is I'm sure we all have lots of leftovers. Um, Thanksgiving is always Uh, a holiday where my family kind of bounces around. Sometimes we spend it with my mom's side of the family. Sometimes we spend it with my dad's side. Or uh, sometimes we go to San Diego or wherever, something crazy. But this year, we got to spend it with my mom's side up in Selby, South Dakota, which I absolutely loved because it's always felt like a second home. And I was super uh, grateful and excited this year because I got to go up there for the first time as a married man, which was so much fun. And another one of my favorite parts about being up there was hunting with my cousins, and I can now say I know how to skin a deer. So that was a lot of fun. (laughs) But the thing is, whoever I end up spending Thanksgiving with, one thing is for sure, I am so thankful for the godly family that the Lord has given me. With Thanksgiving just being two days ago, that's one thing we can focus on, having a thankful heart as the Lord has given us all so many things to be thankful for. Most importantly, thankfulness and gratitude, like the song we just sang, towards Jesus, who gave to us uh, Jesus Christ, his one and only Son, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, so we could have a relationship with our most loving God and eternal life. And it's also so great because, like we've been talking about, we get to celebrate the birth of that Savior uh, here in a few weeks. And I hope you guys all grab that uh, Advent devotional. It's super awesome, especially, you know, my uh, section in it. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Oh, man. So, like Jessica said, Pastor Dan is traveling back from spending time with his family in Colorado. So, he gave me this awesome opportunity to close up the series we've been in called The People of God. Although, uh, when Dan gets back, I'm going to have to give him a hard time because I think when he got this pulpit, he was really considering his height. I don't know what it is, but these pulpits always seem so low to the ground to me. But it's probably just because I'm 6'3", so. Anyway, if you haven't been around while we have been going through this series, it's all about looking at the different scriptures in the Bible that tell us who we are in Christ where we have come from as a church, what our mission and purposes are in Christ, and all the amazing promises God has given us as a people of God. I know that this series has been speaking to me a lot, and I have loved everything we have been going through so far. It's been very beneficial just talking through who we are as a people of God, and I know this passage today will also be extremely beneficial for us 
um, and all the things it says about who we are as a people of God. The passage today is Colossians 3, verses 1 through 17. So if you want to grab your Bible, we're going to read through that right now. And as we read through this passage, I want you all to be thinking of two words, dying and living. And also ask yourself this question, what does it look like to have new life in Christ? So if you turn to me with Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming." In these you too once walked, when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and, pra- and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There is so much in this passage that tells us who we are as a people of God. It not only tells us who we are, but it also tells us how we ought to conduct ourselves as Christians. So throughout my time this morning, I want to point out five specific things the Apostle Paul is telling the people of God about who we are and how we are to live. The first thing we see is that the people of God have been raised to new life with Christ. There's a verse that I often share with the youth group. It's one of my favorites, and it's 1 Corinthians 5.17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. For every person who has given their life to Christ, this is true. For every person was once living in their sin, doing whatever they want, but then they find Jesus, accept him, and gain new life, a better life. 
a life where sin no longer has power over us, a life where we have been forgiven, a life where the blood of Christ has redeemed us and made us new. I know this is true in my life. I was able to share uh, a, a bit of my testimony when I first came here in the month of May, way back when, during the summer. So a few of you know a bit about my story, but for those of you who don't, the love of Christ definitely saved me from a life of lust and from my sins. When I was just a fifth grader, I was exposed to pornography, and this led to a long struggle of battling that sin. Thankfully, through the power of Christ and through many godly men coming alongside me, I was able to overcome and be raised to this new life in Christ that we are reading about right here in this chapter. Verse 3 explains this new life perfectly because it says, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. We see here that we have not only been given new life in Christ, but we have died to our old one. I love that so much because when we are tempted to sin or we're tempted to go back to our old habits or our old way of life, we can remember and remind ourselves, hey, no, I died to that life. My real life is with Jesus. It's such an, such an awesome uh, reminder to tell ourselves. The Christian life is defined by the believer's identification with Jesus Christ. It is not enough to know that Jesus died for us. We must also understand that we died with him. Because we died and were raised with him, the power of sin over us is broken. I want to go a little deeper here because the word hidden really stood out to me. Hidden with Christ in God. What does that mean? Like, aren't we supposed to be like a light shining on a hilltop? Why is it saying hidden here? Well, when I looked into it, it's, it's very clear why it says hidden. First off, I believe it means we are safe and secure in Christ. Our salvation has been sealed when we give our life to Christ. I also believe being hidden with Christ in God means our previous history, the old life, is over and done, and the new life with an entirely different and glorious future has begun. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When God the Father looks at us, he no longer sees the old sinful self. The old you is now hidden with Christ in God. In the eyes of God, you are changed into a new creation in Christ's image and likeness, yet you are still being transformed. You're being transformed at the same time. Until one day, like it says here in verse 4, Jesus is revealed to the whole world and we will share in his glory. I believe this is a big reason why Paul is saying here that the people of God should be setting their sights on the realities of heaven. That as Christians, we are to think about the things of heaven and not the things of this earth. And I don't know about you all, but that can be really hard for me to do. Uh, because I can just really get caught up in all the things that are going on around me and uh, all the things in my life and things I can achieve and whatever, you know, this life has to offer, that I forget to think about what really matters, and that is eternity. 
It's easier to think about the things of heaven when we are doing the second thing that Paul tells us, and that is that the people of God are to put to death sinful, earthly things lurking within. This goes back to what I mentioned earlier and how we have been given new life in Christ, but we are still being transformed. There's an illustration one of my basketball coaches told me, that it, and it's just always really stuck with me, and that is that we can go to Jesus with all of our dirt. In this illustration, the dirt and mud that is all over us represents our sins. Jesus doesn't tell us, clean up first, wash off all that dirt, and then you can come to me. Jesus says, come to me with all of your dirt, all of the mud, all of the mess, and I will wash you clean. Jesus is the only way we become transformed and see true life change within us. Pouring into our relationship with Christ and into relationships with other believers and getting into the word of God are the key components to our sanctification, which is a big word for the process in which we are becoming more holy and Christ-like. The other part to our sanctification and transformation is putting to death the sinful things lurking within us, uh, like Paul said to do here. I've heard it said before that the closer you get to Christ, the more you notice your own sin and the more you hate it. We are told here to put to death the sinful and earthly things lurking within us, to put them away. Things like sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, to get rid of anger, rage, malice, slander, and dirty language. First, I think it's important to note that Paul says, put to death these things. This is important because it shows how crucial it is not to give these sinful things any chance at life in our lives. Put them to death. It said earlier we have died to this life. Well, there are a lot of things in a Christian's life that should be put to death. Secondly, the only way we will be able to put these things to death is if we rely on Jesus to work within us. Guys, I am still learning to put things to death in my life. I still got a lot of things in my life that I got to put to death. Every day I'm learning to put things to death. I get angry, I can tell a lie, and I definitely don't always think before something blabs out of my mouth or before I get cut off in traffic or anything like that. There's probably something on that list that I fail in every day. Thankfully, we worship such a loving and gracious God who's always there for us when we fall short. As you all know, I just got married, and getting married has really made me realize how much more I need to die to myself. My pastor always said marriage is two selfish sinners coming together as one and loving each other. Marriage has just been the best. It's the absolute greatest. I'm loving every second of it, and I could not be happier, but it definitely has made me realize how selfish I can be. Thankfully, Brenna puts up with my shenanigans, and I have forever to keep learning how to die to myself more with her. Verse 9 told us not to lie to one another because we have put off the old self. I think this is a very practical one because it's something we can really know if we have done or not. When I was in college, I met weekly with an accountability group called the Seven Pillars of Freedom. It was a purity group. 
And one of the questions we asked every single week when we met with one another was, have you lied to anyone this week? And it was really awesome to think about that and share with others to help us all live transparent lives. Honestly, the one that stood out to me the most that we are to put to death on that list was sexual immorality because I really struggled with that in my walk. And I believe it's such a prevalent issue in today's society, whether it's pornography or the LGBTQ movement. It's just a thing that destroys families, marriages, and for a lot of people, it's the hardest thing to put to death. Thankfully, we are able to overcome all these sinful things we work towards putting to death by doing the third thing Paul tells us, and that is that the people of God are to clothe themselves with a new nature, put on the new self, and work towards becoming more Christ-like. I love the New Living Translation uh, version of verse 10, which says, Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. I am so blown away that the God who created us is the same God that gave his life for us and renews us. The word renews really sticks out to me here. It describes a new quality of life that never before existed. If you all didn't know, I am also an uncle as of July My older and only sister, I only have one sibling, Danae gave birth to her first child this summer, and her name is Penelope. Uh, If you get a chance after the service, you'll have to say hi, because she's literally the cutest baby ever. Um, And she is now four months old, right? Yeah. She's four months old, so she is developing quite a lot of personality. It's the funniest thing because I look at her, and she's this complete person, but I'm always like, what's going on in her head? And she's just like this little human being. Well, I'm saying all of this because just like a baby is born complete but immature, the new self is complete but has the capacity to grow. The capacity to grow, be renewed, and work towards becoming more Christ-like. I love the following verse because it shows that Christ gives this ability to anyone as he died for all and accepts anyone who chooses to follow him. As we move into verse 12, the term put on is used again in the ESV. We were just told to put to death a whole bunch of things, and now we're being told to put on this new self. I love this because I like to think of it as out with the old and in with the new. And we all love new things, especially when these new things are replacing the junk and trash that was once in our lives. The NLT, New Living Translation of this verse says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You know, a few of these... uh, Words probably sound very familiar if you were here last week when Dan talked about the fruits of the Spirit. But the phrase I want to focus on here is clothe yourselves. Jessica talked about this earlier with all the kiddos during the children's moment. But we all clothe ourselves every single day. A lot of people take so much time to think about what they want to wear and are so particular about what they want to wear. And of course this isn't bad because... 
we want to look good. But imagine if we took the same thought, care, and pride in the way we look. We took that same passion into the attitudes and characteristics we are being told to put on here. Clothing also covers us. So I love this wording because as the people of God, we should be covered in these characteristics and they should be evident in our everyday lives. People should be able to see these characteristics that are listed here um, from the way we're living and from looking at us. A big one that is also listed here is forgiveness, which I don't know about you all, but that can be a hard one for me at times. But we are to forgive others because Christ has forgiven us. Above all, as the people of God, we are told to clothe ourselves with love. 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3 says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, And if I had such faith that could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. As Christians, we are called to love. To show others the love of Christ and point them to him. To love our neighbor as we love ourselves. I was just at the high school retreat for a whole weekend, and the theme was neighbor, and that's what we talked about, loving our neighbors, showing them Christ's love. And from what I just read from 1 Corinthians, we can conclude that without love, we would be nothing. It says in today's passage that love binds everything together in perfect harmony, and that could not be more true. So let's make it, our goal that as a people of God, we show others Christ's love and make it our mission to further the kingdom through that love. This brings me to the fourth thing Paul is telling us, and that is that the people of God must let the peace of Christ rule their hearts and must always be thankful. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace for a reason. There is no other sense of peace we can achieve as people other than when we belong to Christ. This peace is to rule our hearts. There are so many things in this life that can rule our hearts, whether it's worry, anxiety, lust, depression, anger, fear. All those things can rule our hearts, but we are told to have the peace of Christ be the thing that rules our hearts. And when the peace of Christ is the thing that is ruling our hearts, All those other things that can rule our heart grow littler and littler and littler until the peace of Christ is all that's there. But how do we do this? I believe this is done by believing in all the things Christ promises us and holding on to the truths he gives us. I believe the peace of Christ will rule our hearts when we are identifying with Christ. And uh, I think it's so awesome how verse 15 goes further than this and tells us that we are to do this as one body. The peace of Christ is to rule over all of the people of God. I believe this means as one body, we are to come alongside one another and share this peace. 
When someone is going through a hard time, we as the people of God and as one body must be there to help them through it, pray with them, and remind them of the peace they have in Christ. I think it is such a challenge to have uh, the peace of Christ that it's talking about here rule our hearts when we are going through trials, tribulations, or just difficult times. When I was working in Kansas City at Northwest Bible Church, I had this mentor named David Williams who took me under his wing and helped me a lot when I was first starting out. Dave is the best. Uh, he's so generous and just a fun guy to hang out with. Uh, and he's just so loving and encouraging, and we just grew super, super close uh, with each other from the time he was able to mentor me. And he's still a guy that whenever I need some help or need some encouragement, I know he's going to be there for me. Well, as you all know, my, I got married uh, a little over a month ago, and I invited him to the wedding, and I was really, really hoping that he would be able to come to my wedding. But he texted me a couple days before the, the wedding, and I got the most heart-wrenching text from him. He texted me and told me that he wasn't going to be able to make it to our wedding because his oldest son got in a fatal car accident and he had to fly to Nashville to be with his family. I was heartbroken to receive this text and I couldn't even imagine what Dave was going through. But through it all, I knew Dave still had the peace of Christ ruling in his heart. I know this because he texted me and he told me that his son got really into his faith in Christ before his passing and even told me that a man accepted Christ after his son's funeral. I tell this story and share it because it's only through Christ there was able to be any peace, and it's the same peace that can rule over all of our hearts. The other thing this verse tells us to do as a people of God is to always be thankful. I think that this peace and thankfulness, that they go hand in hand. I know I have so much to be thankful for, and I am sure you all had a great week thinking about the different things you are thankful for. But I want to take some time to share a few of the things that I'm really, really thankful for right now. I am super thankful for my wife and an affordable home that we can rent. Uh, and it's super cozy, um, and it's a, just small and perfect for us. And it's in my hometown of Ashland, Nebraska, which is pretty cool. Thankful for this church. The Blood of Jesus, the Youth Group, Awesome Leaders, FCA, my Bible study group, a godly family, good friends, and all the godly men and women that God placed, has placed in my life. The list could go on and on. I am honestly always in awe of God when I pause and think about all the things that I can be grateful for. And I know the same is true when you all pause and think about all the blessings that God has given as a people of God, we are also to teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom God has given us. This is why we have women's and men's small groups, why we have Bible studies, youth groups, Sunday school. We are to help each other grow and strengthen each other's walks with the Lord. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Not only do we share, in the, share the wisdom of God through his word, we also, as a people of God, share our worship to him. We just did it, you know, a few minutes ago during worship this morning. But the thing that I want to make very clear is that when we do this as a people of God, 
we are to have thankfulness in our, heart, in our hearts towards God. Thankfulness towards all the wonders he has worked and done in our lives. Thankfulness for the cross and for our Savior Jesus. When I lived in Kansas City, I would go to a young adults ministry that was on Tuesday nights. And it was kind of like a church service for uh, college-age students or young adults or, uh, you know, young people. And the message was always amazing, but honestly, one of my favorite parts was the worship. I mean, they went all out. They did the whole band and lights and everything, but it was just such a great time to go and worship God through praises of thankfulness. This brings me to the last thing Paul, Paul tells us, and that is that whatever the people of God do or say, they must do it as a representative of Jesus and give thanks through him to God the Father. When we pray, a thing that is often said in prayer is, I pray we honor and glorify you, God. Honor and glorify you with our words and actions. Well, this prayer is so often said because of what this verse tells us, that we are to be representatives of the Lord Jesus with whatever we say or do. Now, this is something that can definitely be a challenge to follow up on in our everyday lives. We can forget to represent Jesus with our words and our actions. I know I definitely do at times, or a lot of times. So a challenge for all of us to take away this morning is, how can I be a better representative of Jesus with my words and actions? Again, we see, and as this passage closes, we are told once again to give thanks to Jesus through God the Father. Thanksgiving is a wonderful time of year, but having a thankful heart isn't just a thing to have around one time of year when fall rolls around. As a people of God, it is a lifestyle we are to have. And as a people of God who get to have a personal relationship with the one who gave their life for us, we have so much to be thankful for. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church's information and events, head to bccwaverly.org.